<clears throat> this morning, being Pentecost Sunday, I'd like to talk about hope. What does hope mean to us as individuals or collectively? We can look at our life and we can say that we have uh, desires for things which turn into hope and we, we, we hope for a better job, a better place to live, perhaps a better place, uh, um, hope that our children are doing well. Whatever we could hope for is all these hopes are here on this earth as we travel. These are temporal hopes. But what did Jesus do? What was the work that Jesus did for us that gives us an eternal hope? What is that hope? Well, this morning, I want to start out with a, a psalm just to uh, get us going here. <clears throat> Praise God for his mighty acts. Shout joyfully to God, all the earth. Sing about the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Your enemies will cringe before you. Because of your great strength, all the earth will worship you and sing praise to you as they sing praise to your name. Come see the wonders of God. His acts for humanity are awe-inspiring. He turned the sea into dry land. They crossed the river on foot, and, the, and we rejoiced in him. He rules forever by his might. He keeps his eye on the nations. The rebellious should not exalt themselves. Praise our God, you peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He keeps us alive, and he does not allow our feet to slip. So this is a statement of what God is, how majestic he is, and what we have to look forward to, because he will not let our feet slip. Okay, so let's turn our Bibles this morning to the second chapter of Acts. In the first chapter of Acts is where the festival of the Pentecost is taking place, and people have come from all over the, all over the world at that particular time to celebrate the Feast of the Pentecost. So there are all kinds of people in Jerusalem at that time, and because the disciples were asked not to leave until Jesus comes and tells them so, what happens? Well, as they were gathered together, this great rush of wind came into the temple, and it brought fiery tongues. And the tongues were languages that the foreigners spoke. And so they were able to hear and understand what Peter is going to tell them. They're going to hear in their own words, which mean more to them than, a, for example, a translation of a language. Because there are some connotative meanings in words that we don't get when we translate from one language to another. So they were all over. So if we look at, I'm going to read a few verses here. Uh, verse 4. 
Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. When the sound occurred, the crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in their own language. And as they were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each one of us can hear in our own native language? So then he goes on to describe who was all there. In verse 11, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking the magnificent act of God in our own languages. They were all astounded and perplexed and began saying to one another, what is this? But some sneered and said, they are full of new wine. So they thought they were drunk. But what does Peter say? But Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and proclaimed to them, men of Judah and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And then he continues to, to tell us what's in the second chapter of Joel when Joel prophesies. And it will be in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on humanity. Then your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And I will even pour out my spirit on my male and female slaves in those days, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and remarkable day of the Lord comes. Verse 21. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So he's telling them from ancient times because they don't have what we have. They don't have the New Testament. They have the ancient books. They have the books of Scripture. And so even back during the time when Joel was prophesying, God had given him the understanding that the Holy Spirit would come. But what is the most important thing? That if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. You don't have to have a prerequisite. You don't have to belong to a club. You don't have to give so much money. You don't have to be part of someone's uh, correct criteria, say for example. You don't have to meet any standard. Why? Because our Jesus on the cross of Calvary has shed his blood so that there will be no standard for belief. The belief of the, that comes from out of that, from the perfect sacrifice of the perfect lamb, was Jesus Christ. So, Peter goes on to say in verse 22, Men of Israel, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazarene was pointed out to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs that God did among you through him just as you know yourselves know. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised him up from the dead, from the pains of death, 
because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And then he goes on to talk about us, talk about what David says in one of the Psalms. But let's look at verse 29. Brothers, I can confidently speak to you about this patriarch, David. He is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us today. Now, Peter is, is going through this because we need to see things. We need to understand things. We need something visible. But what's going to happen? Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him to seat one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing this in advance, he spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. Now we have this eternal hope through the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The work that he did up to that point was the shedding of the blood, the forgiveness of sins, but the resurrection that he was taken up by God has given us this eternal hope because without this resurrection from the dead, we would have no opportunity to have the Holy Spirit because as Jesus told the disciples when they were all with him when he ascended into heaven, he said, stay here. I'm going to send you the comforter. So what comes? He was not left in Hades, and his death and his flesh did not experience decay. That would be Psalm 16. God has resurrected this Jesus. We are all witness to this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured it out what you both see and hear. So Jesus has done this work with his mighty resurrection and the promise that he was coming back to give us the Holy Spirit. Now this Holy Spirit gives us what? Hope. Hope in our salvation. Hope in the way that we move forward from day to day and live our lives expecting what? That at the end of our journey, we're going to go to heaven and see him. It was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, the Lord has declared to my Lord, God declared to Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstools. Now there will be people who dispute this. There will be people who dis dispute what Peter is talking about and what's taking place there at the temple on the day of Pentecost because of their unbelief, because they want to make themselves important. They need to see something like a, a statue or an idol. It's made out of stone that has no life and they worship that because they can see it. So we have forgiveness through the Messiah. When they heard this, they came under a deep conviction and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what must we do? This is us, what must we do? Repent, said Peter, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Who are those that are far off? Of course, we weren't alive at the time that Peter's talking this to those folks there present. But Peter is talking about us. We were yet to come. We were yet to be. And with our coming, we have the same opportunity that Peter's talking about to the disciples, to the people gathered, to the folks that are yet to hear about the work that Jesus did, you and me. We need to think about that, how, how fortunate we really are, how blessed we really are, in the terms that we have this opportunity that we can take. So what is your hope? What is your hope this morning? Are you hoping in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of your sins and the coming of the Holy Spirit through your calling on him? That would be my hope for you this morning. Let's look at what Paul writes about hope. Let's look at the fifth chapter of Romans. And what does this hope turn out to be? Chapter 5 starting with verse 1. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. We have access to our Lord and Savior through this grace he has offered us through the forgiveness of our sins. We have this faith that we can stand in. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we rejoice in this. This is something that makes us joyful because once it's been given to you, no one can take it away. No one can tell you that you're not a believer. No one can say that your faith is too small. No one can tell you that your faith is in vain because Jesus has given it to you when you start to understand. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character and, produ and proven character produces hope. So even though we travel through this world, Paul is telling the Romans, and we take on this faith, it's not going to be utopia. It's not going to be heaven on earth. It's going to be our day-to-day -day living until we get to the end. And what happens during our day-to-day -day living? There will be trials. There will be things that come upon us that will test us. Are we going to be, give up our faith because of that? Are we going to turn away from this faith because it isn't a utopia? What he's saying is that because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. So we keep this through these trials. We keep pushing forward in hope, in hope that we are going to close our eyes to this world and open our eyes up to the next world, to heaven.
This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that he has given us. He's given us this gift. We don't have to buy it. We don't have to make a big issue about it. We don't even have to remember the day that we gave our heart to Jesus. We just have to remember that through our faith we are saved. Through our faith we receive the gift of his resurrection. Why they celebrate Pentecost? The hope of the Holy Spirit. So since we have this hope, what do we have to look forward to? We are human beings, and our human, being, our human uh, minds will put things in front of us, like a trial that will cause us to stop and think, why is this happening to me? Out of these trials, what does, what does Peter, or Paul say? He says it gets endurance, the endurance of things that we have to put up with gives us character. Character is the same thing as wisdom. And through this wisdom we gain, we gain a broader understanding and a deeper knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus. That gives us hope, hope of our salvation. So we can lift ourselves up this morning to think that we have this gift, this precious gift that we are given. So as Paul goes on to the, in the letter of Romans, he talks about the, the hope of our reconciliation. The hope of our reconciliation is the faith in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That gives us this, this uh, reconciliation. Okay, he goes on to describe in, in Romans, uh, because they were great thinkers in Rome, they were always trying to dispute something that was not visible. They were trying to dispute something that would be what they would consider, even as, they, as folks do today, narrow in thinking, narrow-mindedness. But actually, those who don't have Jesus are the ones who are very narrow-minded because they don't see this wide-open opportunity they have for salvation. Okay, so let's look at uh, another one of Paul's writings to the Colossians. Let's look at chapter 1. Okay, Paul, in his greeting, opens it up and talks to the folks at Colossae and saying, Grace peace to, and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. That's verse 3. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints who are saints. You, you are a saint. Once your sins are forgiven, you have taken on sainthood. You are the saints that Paul is talking about here. Because of the hope reserved for you in heaven, you have already heard about this hope in the message of truth, the gospel, that came to you it is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and recognized God's truth, grace in the truth. You learned this from Epaphras, our dearly beloved fellow slave. 
He is a faithful servant to the Messiah on your behalf. He has told us about your love in the Spirit. Verse 9, for this reason, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God. So what Paul is talking about here is what is he's talking about good work. Well, our hope isn't put on good work in terms of what we do to be recognized by other people so we can get a pat on the back. The good works that we do are for, for our fellow brothers and sisters in their need without making an issue about it because God has given you this love that you can share with other folks. You do it because you want to. You do it because you feel the need to share or be good or to give, but not because someone else is going to say, hey, you know, you did a great job there. And growing in the knowledge of God, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. He's talking about endurance here. Same thing he was talking about to the Romans. What does endurance bring? Character. What does character bring? It brings us the hope of salvation. So brothers and sisters this morning, what we do here is the same. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, with all endurance and patience, with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share within the saints inheritance in the light. What is the light? It is the light of the gospel that comes through the Holy Spirit. This light is the light that teaches us, that gives us the aha moments when we read the Bible, that gives us the moments of pure joy and satisfaction when we know that our faith has been affirmed through the word of God and through the, through the, through the words that we hear from our speaker brothers. But what does verse 13 say? This is why we are happy. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in him. Not just today, not just tomorrow, but until the day that we open our eyes up again and see the lovely face of our Savior, Jesus Christ, when he says to us, Come, your hope has been turned into faith. Your faith has brought you all the way home. This is what we hope for. This is why we turn to our, our brother Jesus. This is why we put our faith in him. Because there's nothing in this world that we're going to take with us. We're only going to take this salvation that we have, this hope that we have through the Holy Spirit. So we can lift ourselves up this morning. We can be happy and joyous in the fact that nothing can take away this resurrection that we have. Nothing can take away this hope of salvation we have.
nothing can take away the Holy Spirit that has been given to you as a gift of light to guide your path for the rest of your life. May God bless each and one of you. In Jesus' name, amen.